Probably our favorite family game when we go to the Oregon beach is called cans. That's cans, C-A-N-S. And the object of cans is to be close enough to score points. The game starts with going to the beach, first of all. You go down to the beach. You find kind of an open spot on the beach. Then we set out. We scrounge around the beach for two fairly long, what do I mean by that? Maybe, I don't know, three feet long, uh, fairly narrow pieces of driftwood, which are then stuck as deep as you can get them in the sand, kind of like a vertical stake, and you space them apart, oh, I don't know, about 20 or 25 yards. The next thing we do is we take another stick and we carve into the sand a about a four-foot circle around each stake, hopefully trying to keep the stake itself in the center of that four-foot circle. Now, the players, usually in teams, stand on the beach behind either circle, you know, on either end, kind of like it's set up kind of like horseshoes, you know, with a pit on one end and a pit on the other. And then the team members toss the cans, oh, you know, the 20 yards or so toward the other end. In other words, we take turns tossing the sand-filled cans at the stakes, trying to land the cans that we toss within the circle. And obviously, the object as well is to get as close as possible to the vertical stake within the center of the circle. You know, I can see this whole thing, and I know it's harder to understand when all you're hearing is a podcast, but anyway, I'm hoping you get my drift. Well, whoever's closest to the stake gets the point, and then you do it again, and you go back and forth, and you play till 10 or however, you know, however many points you want to play to. Often, though, in this game, we are so bad at the game that just getting a can to land inside the four-foot circle is plenty close enough to get a point. Close enough in cans, close enough in horseshoes. You know the old saying, close enough in hand grenades. We'll often be close enough. But what does the Bible have to say about being close enough? Well, there's a couple stories here where Jesus says basically to a couple of young men in the instances that we're going to be looking at, he says to one guy, he said this, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus said to him, you're close, dude, but maybe not close enough. We're hearing now from the gospel of Mark Chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, the scribe asked Jesus, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and that there is no other 
but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Well, for years now, I've thought about this event and this story told by Jesus. And even today, it often seems as if Jesus is saying to the very knowledgeable and certainly what feels like to me a very sincere man in this gospel story. And maybe this story is meant to say to me and to you that regardless of how hard we often try and regardless of what we know about God, we still come up short with with what God expects from us. We're close. We're on the border. You might say we're on the edge. We're not far away. But sorry, we're not quite there. And that just being close to the kingdom of God will not be close enough. And maybe that is the question for us all on a regular basis. Indeed, this whole question about one's proximity, you know what I mean, one's location, close or not so close to the kingdom of God, has become a rather burning question, I think, as we at Yuma First Church are still in the long process of developing a solid, doable plan to open the church doors again so that we can all get back to the church campus. Now, mind you, things are not going to look and feel like they used to look. We don't even know what we're going to be allowed to do or not do. Right now, we're just trying to get back on campus. Well, I'm blessed to have conversations with our members and friends about whether or not they still, today, after five months, do they still feel connected to the church? And quite often, when someone answers that, what's underneath their answer is whether or not they still feel close and connected to God. You know, I don't think it's goofy or strange at all to see this discussion as people continuing to feel either near God or being convinced that because of our current remote situation where everything happens over the phone or online, that maybe without question, there are some people, many people maybe, feeling disconnected and far away from God. I can tell you without question, there are people at Yuma First of both persuasions. And just in case you've got a great memory and you recall that we've spent some time in the Gospel of Matthew lately, remember that in Matthew, Jesus is kind of depicted as sometimes referred to as the new Moses. He's kind of teaching Uh, the Israelites, the Hebrew people, in the tradition of Moses. Quite often he's teaching about Hebrew uh, teachings in the Torah, uh, Hebrew laws, again, focused on the Israelites. But for some unknown reason, and I'm not sure why, this very specific exchange between Jesus and this very knowledgeable and sincere scribe is only in Mark. There's lots of good stuff included in the Gospel of Matthew, which we'll look at later. 
But only, this conversation itself is only in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, the Enduring Word Commentary's got a couple of kind of neat things to help us put this into perspective. Um, let me just share the, this with you. And this is a quote from uh, David, the writer of Enduring Word Commentary. Uh, quote, The Gospel of Mark shows Jesus as the servant of God, as a workman of God. And for this reason, the Gospel of Mark is often referred to as a very busy book. In this Gospel, Jesus seems the busiest. He's quickly moving from one event to another. One of the key words in the Gospel of Mark is immediately. It occurs more than 40 times in Mark. We see Jesus here in this Gospel as a servant. He's busy. He's meeting the needs. He's busy meaning. He's busy being God's anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. And accordingly, and this is important, friends, accordingly, in the Gospel of Mark, the emphasis, the emphasis is on the deeds of Jesus more than the words of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark pictures Christ in action. There's a minimum of discourse and dialogue and a maximum of deed. Well, in today's section of Mark, Jesus is both teaching his disciples in the crowds, as well as in this area here, he's debating the authorities, whom you've heard me often refer to as the church leaders of his day. And at this point in the story, Mark shares explicitly that several various church leader type characters were sent to Jesus simply to catch him in his words, to trick him, and to trap him, as one Bible says. Why? To turn the tide of public opinion, hoping to further build a case against him so that they could eventually, we all know this, why? So they could eventually just eliminate him from the landscape. Well, there's a few things about today's exchange between Jesus and the scribe uh, that I want to share with you. And these are, this is just my opinion, okay? This particular scribe, although presented among the fray of uh, the, G, the, the people who want Jesus's hide, who really want to get rid of him, this guy, he, he diligently sought to be near Jesus. In fact, he appears almost to be favorable toward Jesus the country preacher from Galilee. So he's not kind of like the majority of the people who are wanting Jesus' attention here. Secondly, I remain both put off as well as drawn toward Jesus' very cryptic yet powerful comment about this scribe's proximity to the kingdom of God. Jesus says to him, Friend, you are not far from the kingdom of God. The Message Bible, that's the one uh, uh, written by Eugene Peterson. It's translated by Eugene. It says it like this. When Jesus noticed how insightful the man was, he said to him, you're almost there, right on the border of God's kingdom. Almost there? I suppose Jesus could easily have just said to the guy, Sorry, dude, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And before you think you're getting close enough, 
you also need to understand we're not talking about government work here either. Some of you might remember the old saying, woo, close enough for government work. Thirdly, very few Bible scholars and commentators say much of anything on Jesus' actual response to the scribe in this event. Most scholarly musings and meanderings in this section are about the love commands. In fact, the heading here is the greatest commandment. And you and I have heard a great deal over the years about different understandings and dimensions and levels and types of loving God and loving our neighbor. But by far, most Bible gurus steer away from Jesus' cryptic, I'm calling it cryptic, some would even say insulting comments here. I don't think it's far off the mark at all to propose that Jesus actually meant to insult or upset this guy. Now, we could be more diplomatic here and just say that Jesus meant to be very direct and challenging in his remarks to this guy so that this guy would go away thinking and wondering what else God really expected from him to be more than close to the kingdom of God, but to actually be there already. Indeed, it makes perfect sense to ask ourselves what the heck Jesus is talking about here. I mean, really. Um, here we have what certainly appears to be a well-meaning religious scholar who's close, but sorry, not close enough to the kingdom of God, according to Jesus anyway. So in this discussion of the, what I would say are the basics of one's Jewish faith, where the foundational principles of the Torah are definitely highlighted, just how is this guy, this scribe, how is he falling short? Where's the gap? Are his actions here falling short of his actual beliefs and his expressed intent? Is this guy just not following through with all of these knowledgeable things he knows about the Word of God? Does this same guy regular say one thing and then do something else? Does he practice what you preach? You might ask him. So if he's not far from God's kingdom, then where is he? Well, according to Alan Webster, who's, who's a featured writer on, uh, and I just stumbled across this, it's called housetohouse.com. This is what Alan Webster had to say, and this is a quote. The scribe was near the kingdom. Jesus presents the church as a city into which one might walk. The man was near the border, or as we would say, the man was in the suburbs. One's proximity to the kingdom of God is not an estimate of feet or inches or neighborhoods. But one's proximity to the kingdom of God is one of faith and one of obedience. This man was outside, and being near the kingdom is not the same as being in it. So I ask again, what did this man lack? What more should he have been doing with his life? And just as important as the kingdom of God 
to which Jesus refers to here, is it just another way of describing what God expects and demands from not only this man, but from you and me? Because it's pretty clear, certainly in today's story, that close enough, close is not going to be close enough. Well, I know it's probably a radical idea for some traditionalists today, but is it possible that being close enough, in other words, close to the border of the spiritual boundaries of the kingdom of God, is that where we truly need to be in order to finally see who actually is included in the kingdom? Is it not such a bad place to be? Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, many of us are familiar with the story that Jesus has with, with a rich young ruler. And again, it's about whether or not uh, this man is doing everything expected of him. And, and Jesus, uh, he goes through the commandments listed in the Torah, and the man says, I've kept all of these things. And Jesus says to him, actually it says, Jesus looks upon him with love, and he says, no, there's one more thing you have to do. Go sell all your possessions and give everything to the poor. And all your wealth then will be in heaven. Then come and follow me. That was the last thing the young man wanted to hear, said the Bible. And crest falling, in other words, his face dropped and he was sad. He walked away because he was holding on tight to a lot of things. And he couldn't bear to let go. Of any of them. You know, I love the way Eugene Peterson, he takes the scripture and in the Message Bible, he just kind of simplifies things. He says to the rich young man, if you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. So entering the life of God, it sounds like, is a good way to at least begin to understand this reality Jesus calls the kingdom of God. According to the staff of Christianity.com, when we pray and seek the kingdom of God, we're also praying for the rule and the reign of the kingdom of God in our lives. And this is when Jesus is in charge of our lives. And when you and I are under the lordship, and when he, our Lord, is in control of your life, that is the kingdom of God. It is not rules and regulations, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In, art, in an article I found by Pastor John Piper, who's a preacher and teacher, and he has a little website online, I gleaned this very important thought from him. Quote, I think the most important thing that I, I could say about the kingdom of God that would help people make sense out of all the uses, various uses in the Bible, is that the basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is God's reign. That's R-E-I-G-N, reign. Not a realm or people. The kingdom creates a realm. The kingdom creates a people. But the kingdom of God creates a reign. It's a complete way of life where God's way governs our way and where Jesus is in charge. Therefore, simply said, the kingdom of God is the fulfillment on earth of God's will. It is when the lordship of the crucified and the risen Christ receives the emphasis 
in everything we do and say. So let's remember that the basic meaning of the word of kingdom in the Bible is God's kingly rule, God's reign, God's action, God's lordship, God's sovereign governance, where God's way governs and dictates and leads and gently guides our ways, our desires, our thoughts, our struggles, our hopes and our joys and our choices. And where God has reigned us in, where God has reshaped us and renewed us and remolded us into his image, that those are the places where God's reign governs our entire outlook on life. So the kingdom of God, which Jesus refers to here, is about the fullness of life that only God can bring. And speaking for myself, I know that when I genuinely ask God to take over and fill me with his grace and his love, I'm way more ready to give. I'm way more ready to love. I'm way more ready to sacrifice. I'm not only ready to sacrifice, I'm able to fully sacrifice and give away those things that I'm clinging to. Remember Jesus said, and I'm paraphrasing this, actually I'm paraphrasing this from the Gospel of John, those who cling tightly to their life in this world will lose it. And those who give away their life freely with God's grace and love in this world, will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Indeed, whoever serves Jesus must live out daily, not only through what they know, but through their actions toward others. So can we honestly say that God governs and directs every aspect of every breath we take? Every breath? No, I can't. Do we live every day as if Jesus is truly in charge? Are we too not far from the kingdom of God? Or do we sometimes, or do we find that much of the time we're close but we're just not close enough. You know, I think we already know the answers to these questions. Oh, gracious God, whatever we've brought to this message today, whether it's hope, whether it's a lot of faith or a lot of fear, touch us, be with us, strengthen us. Give us whatever it is, whatever leading and touching that you feel we need today. Surround us, O God, with your angels of grace and strengthen us so that we might truly live within the kingdom of God. And it's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen and amen.